Welcome to another episode of Hit the Lights Plus. I'm back here with Pete again. It's been a little while. How are you, Pete? All right, Gary. So I needed the break. <laughs> we all needed the break. Hopefully, um, we've not got too rusty in the meantime. No, never. Always on form. Yeah. Well, we shall we shall see. We're starting off with a couple of easy episodes to get ourselves back into the groove. Um, but hopefully, one that you guys out there will find useful. In particular, I suppose apprentices and this one. Um, and we're going to be looking at tools and what should and shouldn't be in a tool bag. Um, obviously, Pete's going to be talking more from the uh, domestic side of things, and I'm going to be looking at the uh, the industrial side of the tool bag and what we think would be good for apprentices to have in there so where, where should we start should we start with the the obvious what the big hammer the big <laughs> so you probably might start off with a slightly different hammer though wouldn't you with a uh, one to chase with well to be honest i use my hammer for everything because <laughs> as i'm sure everyone listening will understand is you start putting more and more tools in a tool bag and uh, it gets very heavy i did have a club hammer two pound club hammer to start with and i found i was just blowing the back of walls out so what i got is a nice sort of 16 ounce hammer mm. that seems to be doing the job yeah blowing walls out you well, I, I was trying to impress everyone wasn't <laughs> i look at me as a keen apprentice smash smash and then yeah the whole wall come down yeah and no, i have chased a few walls to within a few mil <laughs> um but yeah no, so that, that's probably one of the key starting points then obviously so it, similarly i would say you know a hammer it's a bare essential you're going to be knocking in raw plugs fixings could be anchor bolts industrially um redheads you know fixings of that sort of nature so it's always good to have that and even I'll potentially a, a good tip on the hammer is get one that's got a flat base on the side as well some of them do all this pretty detail and stuff it's useless because sometimes you're trying to bang a clip in or something with a bit of tight space turn your hammer sideways it's like a, a, a new hammer yeah no what the one i always like is um the stanley ones they have that flat bit on the side and i don't know i don't know if we, how deep we're going to get into brands maybe i shouldn't say the brand um well i have a ck one that's all right and the wheel one's really good as well so there you go we've, we've mentioned a few yeah cool um but yeah no a good one for p- pulling out nails as well is always um, a must some of them i find are a bit too wide on the hooks yeah i think you should really be spending sort of 20 to 25 pound on an average hammer i did get a four pound one from a home base once through my apprenticeship and it, it bent i was pulling <laughs> a screw out the wall the screw just stayed there looking at me like arnold schwarzenegger and the hammer just bent in half <laughs> i thought you just got mad and frustrated with your work and, uh, bent well, it oh, it, it's so good oh <laughs> i've gone for- <laughs> I've gone through the war now I must bend the hammer yeah. um yeah okay you know that's, that's, we've we've covered hammer I think good. we've we the first five minutes of this is pretty good on hammer good hammer's done right next one, screwdrivers screwdrivers yeah so what screwdrivers well I have the CK ones the ones I started with mm-hmm. I have since bought a couple of the Weir ones right. which are very nice they're a bit more precision screwdriver Obviously, all VDE, 1,000-volt rated. 
Mm-hmm. And other ones I've really liked. Never actually bought them, but I've used them. Are they Irizolas? Right, okay, yeah. Obviously, the standard set comes with um, the Flatheads, the Posies, the Phillips, and the modular drivers, which I think are very useful these days as well. Yeah, they're becoming ever more a thing, aren't they? I've seen um, quite a lot online recently with the um, the battery-powered screwdrivers. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it because... Waste of time. Yeah, it's one It's one of those, isn't it? I, I always like to feel the torque in the screwdriver and... Well, obviously a bit of a laughing point there, but it's true. You have to... It's the old tight's tight and too tight's broken, but you need to know that level of tightness mm. obviously you can get the torque driver which as we all know we all use to tighten up our consumer units and you note them in the certificate i've done it all to manufacturers torque ratings and all the rest of it but just your day-to-day standard handheld screwdrivers i even use them over an impact driver if i'm putting a load of saddles in a wall for example or i'm fixing backs of box i'll always use a handheld screwdriver because i've got that control and that precision and that feel for when it's tight enough and when I've got a good fixing. Yeah, I do see a lot of uh, impact drivers overused um, for various activities. I'm okay with them in certain instances where you, you may be, certainly commercially, industrially, you might be doing quite a lot of fixings. You might be working your way through, say, hundreds doing containment, and it pays dividends to do it a bit then, well, but not for the timing. So if you're putting a, a metal fixing into a metal saddle, let's say, or into a metal patris or a it's unlikely, even though possible, that you're going to pull it in so hard it's going to pull straight through. But with the plastic, the PVC and the rest of it, you can over-tighten and you just shatter the back box or you pull the screw straight through the back of the box, mm. which obviously isn't ideal. Yeah. So my, my first uh, screwdriver set was Draper. Um, and then I went on to the... How old are you? Why? What's wrong with Draper? You old, boring... Well, it was it was affordable at the time when I was an apprentice. Um, the other ones I've moved on to, particularly because I like the t- the feel and hold of the terminals, is the CK ones, as you kind of said. Yeah, I really like the CK ones and the Draper ones. It'll, you know, they're fine. The only thing I have with the Drapers is they've got quite a fat handle on them. Yeah, that's I find that of. I find the rubber grip that they do wears off after a time, and then you have no grip at all on it. They re- remind me like a child's toy. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, to be fair, if you're bending your hammers, you've probably got toys. Um, so, <laughs> um, okay, so we've done we've done screwdrivers. What's an, what's another key component for you in a domestic tool bag? Well, then it's your pliers and your side cutter sets. But let's start with pliers because side cutters can get a bit involved. But I think you need a medium-sized set of pliers. I've had yeah. them before. My apprentices, they got a huge set of pliers in their kit and they're just too big and clumsy you know even when i use them it's like holding a well, massive set of pliers in your hand but you can't do <laughs> your intricate work it's it's just too yeah. sort of brass and bolshy but um yeah medium-sized set of pliers and also get a set of long nose pliers or pin nose yeah so yeah long nose for me it pays off so many times when you're working in tight places with connections to be able to hold you know, a ferruled connection into a breaker or whatever, you know, a, a, a terminal yeah. or something well, like the that. The other ones I've seen, which I haven't yet purchased, are the ones that sort of bend round at the end. All right, okay. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. I'm not sure what the point of it is. 
Well, I don't know. They just, I just think they might be a bit better sometimes. They're on my wish list, so I'll let you okay. know when I've tried them out. That, that, I probably haven't got much to add. In terms of grips, though, obviously we've got, um, you know, large pliers. They come under pliers. We'll talk about them. Um, obviously, yes. there's a set of, set of grips. I obviously use the, they're probably pretty common, the Nipex standard grips that I think are called plumber's grips, really. But um, yeah, would you have soft drill on them or the, the teeth? So this is probably where it gets expensive and it's not great for an apprentice. I think if I was putting my advice on anywhere, I'd say get the ones with the teeth primarily um, and then be ultra careful when you're doing any glands with them. Um, but then I would suggest uh, the the soft face versions for doing glanding, particularly if you're doing like hazardous area glanding where the gland is on show. Um, afterwards, you don't really want to be seeing scratch marks in it. Yeah, I must admit, I always used to use grips for my glands, but I've since preferred to use a set of adjustables. Uh, I'm not so keen on that. I prefer... Well, I'll show you how you do it, because obviously it's <laughs> going to have experience on your part. But uh, maybe, maybe domestically, I can see the benefit of having that in a tool bag. A case of what works best for you, but I've got a, um, you know, a smaller set that go up to about 32, and then I've got some wide jaws that go to about 54 millimetres, obviously. And um, yeah, they're quite good. But then I've also got the smaller Nipex tooth grips and the larger set because I suppose different jobs cater for different tools. That probably segues quite nicely into glanding. Are there any other tools that you'd have um, in your tool bag for that element of your works? Well, no, I know you can get like, the bush spanners and the brockets and tools such as that. And again, it, I, domestic, I don't really do enough of it. I can get away with what I've got. Whereas obviously you would have more. What would you have for doing that sort of stuff? So obviously uh, for me, a junior. Um, where I've been doing lots of hazardous area glands, I've actually gone out and got some um, 22 mil spanners, which did the did the trick nicely. But yeah, they're very big, very big spanners, and you end up clunking around quite a lot of kit. So the adjustable flat um Nipex grips are probably the better solution, but again, they are upwards of 100 quid each. They're not um, cheap bits of tools for an apprentice to buy. So, so you not just get the hand-me-downs out of your dad's or granddad's shed? Yeah, I'm sure everyone everyone yeah, probably I'm at some point gets the hand-me-downs. I've still got some of them in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got some of the original forged steel um, oh, really? from my first tool bag. From forged steel, now Magnus and the old screw yeah. fix specials. Exactly, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got a few of those still hanging about somewhere in my kit. The, the giant, the one I keep is the giant screwdriver that came with it that's like a javelin. Um, <laughs> I've never seen a screwdriver as big since, and it's come in handy a couple of times. So, it's just the one I've kept. Yeah, um, it's that the old abusing screwdriver. Uh, it's never actually undone a screw, but it's doubled <laughs> up as a chisel and a, a yeah. hammer and a pry bar and smashed a few things out yeah <laughs> so yeah i suppose the other landing kit i would say to have is a junior hacksaw yeah i see quite a few variations of these now i've still just got like the classic ck one which is a, a bit of metal that's bent everywhere and then you, to take the blade in and out it's just a bit of body weight on the end just to release the pressure yeah but i've seen those like slimline versions now to get in tight spaces and all the rest of it but yeah. I think that's more of a case of reinventing the wheel. It is, yeah. I mean, I've got I've got just a plain 
bent bit of metal one but i've had a like when doing lots of blanding in the past the Irwin version which had a, a bit more of a comfortable handle on it to actually use yeah. but other, other than that i've not bothered with anything radical on that one i mean on the subject of that i actually bought one of those ck armor slices right yeah and i can see the benefit of it but at the same time i felt like it went through the blades quite quickly mm. and i'm still probably better with the junior hacksaw even though i have probably given it a good bit of use now and then i'll use it mm. just because I've, I've bought one but I think, yeah, especially starting off, the junior hexer is quite diverse for a lot of other things, cutting mini trunking. and That's that's another application that you can have for it, isn't it? I've, I've always used the junior, and like you say, you get the feel of when you're just about scoring the armouring and, and bits and pieces like that, that if I think if I, if I went to another tool, you, you almost have to train yourself to use that and, and start how to gauge, you know, the right level of scoring that it isn't going through too far on the armouring. But, um, yeah, I mean, ultimately you get the feel for it, don't you? But I think if um, tool space is precious in your bag, then just go for the junior hacksaw. Yeah, I think the other, the only other one I would suggest um, on that is uh, a standing knife. Yeah, I think this is where we disagree, isn't it? Well, I don't think it's where we necessarily disagree because I know we've had conversations on this, but certainly in the era of where i've been working that i've seen the development and stance on stanley knives change certainly industrially 100 percent and commercially it's kind of just about starting to follow now where they don't allow those sorts of blades um, that aren't retractable in some way or not insulated but covered under application to avoid unnecessary um you know cuts and yeah i <laughs> I put it down to stupidity of use because I have cut my hand open with a standing knife before. I had to go get stitches. There was blood everywhere. All the fat in my hand was pouring out and everything was great. Yeah. It was one of the first things I did as an apprentice, literally in the first couple of weeks. I had to score the back of some oval tube out to put a, an alarm cable in it before the plaster. And I did sort of 2.2 metres of it. And the last 50 mil, I turned the blade around, cut towards myself, slipped knife straight through my hand i've got a nice sort of 50 mil cut um stupidity of use i've since used the standing knife all the time and i you know touch wood haven't had a single issue since the issue i have with the retractable ones is over a period of time the mechanism wears so it can slide back in if you put a bit of pressure on it it'll retract into itself and i think that is how a lot of issues happen because you put a bit of pressure it slips and then you come at yourself with a blade. With the fixed blades, you don't have that problem. No, I agree. I think there is an area of competence, but I think I suppose if we're talking about uh, an apprentice's tool bag and they're going into a certain area, I think it is acceptable to have a knife. You need a knife to do the stripping elements of, of you know, certain activities as an electrician. Um, but certainly, I think most risk assessments and things that I've seen to date certainly industrially will not allow you to bring one on site and if they saw you with one on site they'd confiscate it so it, it's one of those that i'm kind of making that piece of advice for an industrial apprentice really no, that's fair enough and i you know appreciate the risk point of view from it 
but have you at the same time ever used one of those safety knives yeah i've used so i've used a variety where in particular it was on national grid they they made us use them um we initially tried the retractable blades and like you say the mechanism went and you ended up having to hold the mechanism out so that you could actually still use the blade and you know i had ones that were like snappable blades and everything as well to kind of facilitate that not having to regularly change it because again they were um conscious of cuts and things like that for that then but the other one i've tried which i absolutely hated was kind of a handheld rotary tool that went around probably very similar to what things are on the market now but had a essentially a very minimal blade and point on it to just score it around and i never could get the depth right on those and no matter how many times i used it it was just one of those where I didn't, I didn't get on with that tool and it, yeah. it actually took more time to use it well we inherited one of those um again it might be a nipex i don't actually know but it was a it's what i call a safety knife it's all rubber or plastic shielded right up to the end where the knife's exposed but it's also slightly bent so if you do slip off you're likely to hit the plastic bit not the blade but it was horrible really horrible it, yeah took forever horrible cuts it I, I think there's a point where safety goes too far and it stops you from doing your job properly yeah i think probably maybe the good the good thing to do is wear a set of gloves if you're an apprentice first in the job just get a set of gloves on you know with rubber insoles on the hands and protection on the back and just if you're not confident with it yet and not built up your skills wear, wear a set of gloves and then yeah well what i will say is do professional chefs have to use safety filling knives and all the rest of it yeah but they ain't got any fingers left <laughs> they're all in the soups yeah. <laughs> but you know um, what i mean it's you know yeah, you get yeah, used do, to yeah. the tools you use at the end of the day sometimes we're using way worse i mean the core drill for example uh, Speaking no, of yeah, skill, yeah, yeah, I've had them throw me around before and I've had people get it spins around and clonks them in the eye and all the rest of it. So it's uh Yeah, no, point point taken. Moving on then, obviously we kind of glossed over it. Favourite one, side cutters. Yeah. I have always I suppose pr- primarily I've always used half moons. Um I'm not a massive fan of flat edge side cutters, and I know some people are love the uh, i think it's the ck where they've got the notches for the one five the two five um i think maybe four four mils cables in them i'm not keen on it personally um it, it's just not something i use i like to feel it i like to use the half moons to to ring the cable um but i do understand the benefits of those cutters what, what's your preference yeah well i put that down to probably industry because you're doing a lot more larger csa round cables so i know whenever i'm doing like the meter tails or i'm doing a larger armored i always prefer to use those whereas if i'm just doing a switch or something i'll just use flat blade side cutters ck ones the high leverage ones i used to use those combi cutters that you were just mentioning um they're very good for learning because what happens is as an apprentice especially when you cut through the cable you can't gauge the depth appropriately you ring the copper but you think it's intact, you put the socket in, push the faceplate back, for example, and it snaps off. Mm. So it's a good way to you know, have that faith and 
as you're learning and all the rest of it. But at the same time, you have to learn, you have to make the mistakes. But um, I just put it down to the right tool for the right job. I like the side cutters for switches and all the rest of it. And I like the bigger half moons for the larger CSA cable or flex. Fair enough. Um, in terms of other bits of kit, I think we, we probably, it's, it's, a, it's a necessary evil for electricians, but I think apprentices, every apprentice should have these as well. Um, and that's a, a voltage indicator and a proving unit. Yep, completely agree. Very important. Um, just call it like a safe isolation kit, really, because, yeah, you need an approved voltage indicator, which isn't a multi-lead, which does continuity as well. For it to be an approved GS38 voltage indicator, it has to only do voltage because there's user error, especially when you're learning. Yeah. Then there's also um, yeah your proving unit. Obviously, I know you can test on a known source and that, but if you're an apprentice, not as competent as other people, do you really want to be working near live parts? Probably not a good idea. And obviously, it instills you with that process that you have to follow. And then the necessary lock-off kits. Um, I got one from Ideal, and they've mm. got a variety of different locks and keys and signs. I think signs are very good. Yeah. Should yeah, that's, that's... start putting signs on things. So everyone's got a lock-off kit, but your name and your number, at least, in case someone walks off and needs to call you or something to see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. I think all too often, certainly myself throughout my apprenticeship, I didn't really, I didn't really have a voltage indicator improving unit till probably quite late in my apprenticeship, um, because I, I always left that responsibility to the electricians. Um, but yeah, no, I think the industry needs to change on that, and everyone who's working within the electrical industry should have a voltage indicator improving unit and safe isolation kit. Yeah, see, I always try to work it the other way. I would supervise the safe isolation. But I'd always get someone else to do it because they need to know if I'm not there, then how do I know that they're doing the practicing properly? Yeah, that's a valid point. Um, I suppose I, it comes down to trust and, and other things as, as their training and things develop, isn't it, really? Yeah, well, it's it's one of the main things, isn't it? I think everyone who does their time at college, whether they one of these what would you call them five week wonder or time served or anything safe isolation should always be the top priority as soon as you leave that college you should be like the world's safest isolator (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so there's probably a few things this is probably where the i mean we've got some obvious ones that we might be able to quickly rattle through you know so tape measure pretty standard one isn't it um well is it you know do you use inches do you get one which just says the millimeters <laughs> on it now um jesus christ are we you know, going to debate that the, are we? the girth of the tape so when you're doing the long i get a few get yourself a three meter and a five and an eight meter uh, yeah I, come on let's be reasonable oh. i don't th- i don't think anyone should have to pay out for that just get the biggest one well no because when you're trying to do a little bit of it because you're industrial you don't understand the plight of the domestic spark. <laughs> you're in some stupid little cupboard and there's someone trying to work over the top of you and you're trying to get your massive tape measure, which is like a bloody stripe in the road, to measure 22 mil of gap. No, get three. Get a three, a five and an eight. And I'm not moving on that. That is the only answer. Okay. I mean, no. I, would, I would always argue if you're measuring to that sort of level of tightness, you'd want a steel rule or something of that nature. 
um, which you'd have as part of a set square or something like that. Set squares, copy squares, engineering squares. Yes, that's another good one. Yeah, so that for me falls as part of like the containment element of what I would suggest needs to be in there. So you'd have a set square, a hacksaw, and a file, a round, half round file. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. I think everyone should have that. Um, if you're going to be doing a lot of that as well, a spirit level, a mini spirit level. What, a boat level? Yeah. Ooh, I, I have a, a moan here. You know them stupid little ones that are like, what's that, 40, 50 mil wide? Yeah. Nah. I've seen the ones where you, you get the bigger, I don't know how long it is, what, 300 typically, aren't they, roughly, um, that push out the center so the center part is the same as the big pit but yeah. you, you can actually put it in a like a bat box to check if that's level yeah well I'm, I'm gonna sort of um admit i've got the little one that i don't like and i've got that one that you take the middle bit out of yeah absolutely useless both of them why in what for what reason well because they're just terrible the levels aren't right you can't guarantee it just put a bigger level across it and you can see are you talking about at least a one meter level no, 300, a little boat level. Oh, three, yeah, a little bag. one. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right, well, I can agree with that. I don't like the ones that have the remote. No, they're, they're a nice gimmick, but I found that the level wasn't level. Okay. All right, well, we can go with that. We've, we've agreed. So what's – I don't know if we've got many more to go. So I've got a few that, having worked industrially in terms of, I suppose, being in and out of panels and doing lots of supplementary bonding and stuff like that, um, I've said a lug crimper. Yeah, yeah. No, you should always have a, a crimper, feral crimper and a lug crimper. Yeah, so I've gone with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, the other one I've said is Hellerman pliers. Yeah. As well. Um, you know, we always obviously talk to put, put all the rubbers on for identification and rather than using tape or anything like that, have a set of Hellermans and some rubbers and, and get all the IDs on. Yeah, as, well, as much as I agree with all of that, I definitely say it's more important in an industrial commercial environment than domestic, but I wouldn't discriminate against anyone wanting to do that because it's a better job. And then I'm not sure. I'm not sure if there's any other key points. I mean, I've, I've, it's always good to have some electrical tape in there as well. Yeah, as much tape as you can get. Um, all the colours. So I've I've also said um, Allen keys, and I've put Imperial and Metric. Yeah, yeah, I get the um, you get the hex head and you get the ones with the ball ends that you can go at a bit of an angle. Yeah. Because some of these domestic light fittings are uh, atrocious for trying to deal with them. And then I think the only other, other real ones I've got for a, an industrial commercial aspect was um, spanners. So I've said ideally ratchets, but 10 mil, 17 mil and a 13 mil, you like your foundation three spanners that you're going to need and come across yeah um but if you just get the entire set um i what i did was i bought the whole stanley set and then i supplemented with those three sizes um the 10 13 and 17 as ratchets so -hmm. that i had one to hold and one to ratchet yeah i think it's always good to have a socket set i'd rather just spend the money i think my one i spent 200 pound on i just keep it on the van but it has everything you want really that has my allen keys in it all the various sizes of socket set ratchets a larger one smaller one yeah it's just it's a good investment i think to have a proper socket set 
Do you, do you have a, well, probably back on the screwdrivers, but uh, one I have is um, a stubby screwdriver that has all the adaptable changes? Yes, I do. And on the subject of that also, one of those ones with an interchangeable head. Yeah. So, it, you know, you can put obviously in what you want. It just comes as the shaft with a an input and then you can put either obviously posi phillips allen key star bits security bits a lot of these cookers these days the ovens and that they have the star or a specific type of screw head so yeah. to make sure you're getting a good talk yeah no, that's... have you got any more to add on a domestic oh, those. Bag? so when you're doing your downlights and you've marked them up the guy's freshly plastered the ceiling so many people just go, well, that's where it is. Drill a hole. Oh, it's on a joist. And then, as we all know, they start hacking away or drilling other holes, and it's a nightmare. I went to Tool Station. Other merchants are available, but they do a set of what they call precision screwdrivers. They might be Draper, actually. But what they are, it's a real thin shaft screwdriver with varying lengths of about 100 to about 200 mil. Um, because it's such a small hole, I can do a little inspection hole, go all the different ways with a hammer and this screwdriver, but it's um, it's much nicer to fill a tiny little screwdriver hole than a great big bloody 75mm downlight hole. So it's yeah. a pre-inspection beating screwdriver. One, one of the ones I, I kind of similarly to use, I don't know where I got it from, I think it was like a, a spike on a screwdriver handle that you just kind of poke up and yeah typically i would do it at like you know 50 mil intervals around yeah. where i wanted to do it just to check what was around if i well, couldn't actually hear a joist it's one hole and then you go at the angles through the hole so it's still one hole yeah i did multiple you did it wrong all right well, fair I enough did, well it was a it was a mark you wouldn't have noticed yeah. you wouldn't have noticed it wasn't a screwdriver hole um well the other thing obviously is you can drill the hole get the pilot hole up there and then get a bed coat hanger up there and rattle that around obviously the metal coat hanger is any domestic electrician's best friend yeah and they're like gold dust something uh, i mean i i certainly had it when i did domestic work but i suppose more so now um particularly if you're doing long runs of containment we're starting to see lasers being part of tool bags oh, but they are they are they are pretty expensive so i wouldn't expect it to be in an apprentice's tool bag but it's if they did have it to be able to crack on independently with their work i mean that's certainly an aid isn't it i always go back to my apprenticeship experiences and on one particular job i went round, i measured up off the floor sort of 700 mil or wherever it was for the bottom of box height which was to be 450. however as we all know the um, ground workers could never lay a concrete floor in level. So once it was screeded, I had some at 450, some at about 540, and then others at about 200 mil, where the floor was everywhere. So if I had a laser, not only is it quicker, but that problem wouldn't have existed, and I wouldn't have lost my Saturday re-chasing in a load of boxes. Hang on a minute, I'm just going to pause for the violins. It's a full orchestra. <laughs> I'm going to edit that in. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, um, there's value in the right tool. My laser, 230 quid, DeWalt, the green one, I believe it's three millimetre tolerance over 10 metres. And because of the nature of my work, I also have a plasterer's prop. It's like a telescopic pole, which holds up plasterboard and such. But if I, um, what I normally do is put a dust sheet over the top so it doesn't mark the ceiling, 
clamp the um, magnetise the laser to it, and I use it loads. If I'm, you know, marking out a kitchen, if I'm checking floor levels from A to B, if just loads of things. It's always got a use, and it's definitely paid for itself over and over and over again. Fair enough. Sounds good. Yeah, but always go for green. Never buy the red one. Just, what, just white. Why, why is that? Because the red one, the light doesn't travel as well. So even though it's okay, and you might think, well, you know, it's only a hundred quid or something, I'll just get the red one. Pointless. Just wait, save a bit more, get the green one. There you go. There's the tip. That's it. Pete's top tip. But yeah, then obviously um, another tool which is great is I've got a bit of bent sort of a threaded rod, and that's used for when you're going behind skirting boards in the similar. You drill down, and sometimes there's something in the way. You can just tap that down and knock out any rubbish just to clear the hole. Same with going up behind skirtings or decorative cornice or something similar. It's just one of those tools that you use. Yeah, I suppose another one. Times, another one on that is uh, that would be key for domestics would be a crowbar of some sort. Yeah, crowbars are right. I prefer those um, the flatter ones like the wrecking bars. Because mm. if you're taking up a floorboard, for example, if you've got that thinner crowbar effect, you know, as our plumber friends do, it splits the board, it all rips up, and then uh, the carpenter's looking at you like, what have you just done to my floor? Whereas the flatter ones, it spreads the surface area and it just allows for a little bit more love and skill and expertise because, after all, we are electricians. Exactly, we are the best. That's correct. <laughs> Twice we're agreeing. <laughs> well we better end on that note then unless you've got any other major tools that we've kind of glossed over that you think are key mainly for apprentices here i think that's the key point i've got the ferret which is a little camera brilliant tool yeah very useful for domestics uh handheld battery torch or head torch yeah torch is always useful isn't it when you're up in a loft yeah, because a lot of the time now people just use their mobiles because they've all got a torch on it. But um, I must admit, I think I spent most of my apprenticeship with a head torch on, mm. crawling around the lofts, clipping the cables and that. Very, very good. I used to have the CK one. Then I bought the Unilight one, which is a lot brighter. And obviously you want to see where you're going in a loft where it's often unboarded and installation covering the joists. Um, also got a little handheld Milwaukee one, a little battery which is great if you're doing a fuse board, you just mount it up and you can see, because especially yeah. with electrics, you don't want to do anything in the dark. Yeah, I got one of those that charges off the uh, the cigarette lighter in the van. Yeah. Um, so that's all, you know, you can keep it always charged. No, no, that's good. There's um, definitely think you need a light in there. So you've got your screwdrivers. You can actually buy wrecking screwdrivers now, because obviously you shouldn't use them for the purpose they're not intended. But a lot of manufacturers, DeWalt and Milwaukee, I've seen, They've actually bought out a screwdriver with a toughened spigot. Mm. So it's actually for use and abuse. Right, okay. So that's good to know. Uh, a board saw, a little handheld saw, taking up floorboards, taking up the traps. Yeah. I know a lot of people now use a skill saw in that, but I remember as an apprentice trying to be a bit more wary of it because I thought that will cut my leg off, especially after my Stanley knife episode. Yeah, fair enough. What about the, what about the bag itself? I personally, I, I just like I say, I went with a forged steel set that was out at the time. I think it was like, you know, 20 quid. You get everything crap that was thrown in. But the only other one I uh, I upgraded to was I ended up going to the DeWalt bag, um, which was kind That's of a tote. 
Yeah, it, yeah. I had an Irwin tote as well, and I've had the CK. I don't know what you really call it. It's like the, it's a bit like a laptop bag. You know, yeah. the, the sides fall open and you've got the centre well, pouch. That's what I have. So I started with just a blue CK tote bag. It was okay. Uh, screwdrivers. No, I had the Howdens. That's what I originally had because we do a lot of kitchen work. Yeah. I got the Howdens um, installers bag, which was really good. But it had a hardboard, which the handle fixed into. Mm. So as I accumulated a few tools, it ripped off and that was the end of it. But because it had proper solid sides, all your screwdrivers stayed where they are. And I like things to go where they go. Yeah. So as soon as you opened up the bag, that's it was there and there and there. Then for the CK bag, it was all right. Tools went everywhere. Best tool bag I had was I had an old plastic. Um, it was CK. It opened out. And that each side had two zips, and you could fold it down, and it was sort of like a magma bag, um, Vito even, where they all had pockets. Yeah. Really good, but then that got stolen, and I couldn't find it again. So now I've got the ones you were talking about, the CK technicians bags. I've got yeah. the XL one. Yeah. Uh, the middle bit's got all my, say, grips and all the rest of it in, saws and levels and that, and then the sides and screwdrivers and. Mm cutters and whatever but um yeah i like those ones I see a lot of people raving about the vetoes and the velocity bags i do know someone's just bought one recently and yeah yeah i i so literally this day i've um packed out and transferred some of my stuff from my ck bag over into the veto bag i wasn't overly happy with it, it they call it the tech pack so it's the tech pack mc one that i went with it's very small and I think the frustrating part is I can accept that you know you've got pockets on pockets on pockets when you open a, a small bag but what irritated me is I filled the, the rear bag with say I don't know screwdrivers because there were no places to put screwdrivers in it um, but that encroached into the pockets uh, that are in front of it so I didn't I couldn't actually get more into those pockets so I ended up kind of higgledy-piggledy getting things in just as I could rather than actually neatly putting them in a relevantly shaped pocket, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so I've never had one, but I've heard they're, they're sturdy, but I think their sort of marketing ploy is that you have to buy multiple bags. Yeah, and I, I can see that if I had, say, one of the big bags XL, it would be spot on for industrial because it would take a beating. This one, I think, would, would definitely stand the test of time you're going to get 10 years out of it you know it came with a five-year warranty against yeah. it so for handle snap that's fantastic to get that sort of warranty oh, that's brilliant i mean i must admit on the subject of having more than one bag i do have a little what i call my second fix bag which is a uh, all my pretty tools it's got my nicer cutters it's got my nicer screwdrivers in it it's yeah. got one of those um, nipex ergo strippers in it mm-hmm. i've got my nicer um it's not a proving unit tester it's a uh, a multi-tester thing that does continuity in that yeah. but that's just for you know from doing a boiler or something but it's mm. a nice little sort of handbag you can just walk off yeah. do the nice jobs and that and then i've got my big meaty bag for my first fix and my proper work but that's nice because it saves you having to carry around a great unit every time you yeah no i mean the, the i know i suppose from an apprentice's point of view it might be unrealistic to get all this this kit in one go um i think these are aspirational tools sometimes and i think it's just one of those like all of us you just have to add it as you go don't you oh yeah i mean you know someone says here's a hand-me-down or something or you know 
all we're doing is talking about our experiences here. But um, yeah, certainly it's uh, it's not a quick process. It happens over your apprenticeship as a whole, really, to get a fully developed tool bag. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, that's probably a, a good place to end it. Thanks again, Pete. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for having me back. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening.